Welcome to our Wednesday night shir. Um, interesting, this week was Gimel Tamos. We had many visitors here, guests from throughout, from all over the world actually, literally. And I met yet another shriach told me that he, he um, has somebody out in his area that Baruch Hashem is listening to our weekly shir. Chayn Yirbu may multiply, may many, many more people be able to merit. May I have the merit and the schus to be able to spread the words of Teda, with Siddhas, and hopefully inspire those who hear me. This week, as we said, was Gimel Tamuz. Tonight is Hey Tamuz. Yarzeit of the Malachi Ben Menashe. Tonight's year is dedicated in his memory. say anything about the three holy souls that were taken from us this week or at Kupanam we found we discovered this week that they were taken from us I would be making a mistake because there's obviously not enough to say it's not just a tragedy to these three families if I'm not mistaken, I saw now one of my children posted that um, someone had triplets, three boys, and they named them after these three children. May the Almighty give them strength, longevity, happiness, health, and nachas. Speaking of births, Baruch Hashem, today I was I inherited another granddaughter by my son Ezrinisim. I'd like to say Mazel Tov to my son, to my daughter-in-law Sarah, to the siblings of the child, the baby, Meshitzvim and Achmendel and Rivkimiriam. May they be a source of nachas the entire Klal Yisrael, and mainly to the Rebbe. Pasha's Bullock. As we say, we are now starting the month of Tammuz. We've started the month of Tammuz as of last Shabbos. Hey, Tammuz. Mardachai be Menashe. We ask you, first of all, to be a May that Yesha for your children, Doron, Yecheskel, and of course, your daughters-in-law, your grandchildren, 
And of course, most important to your wife, Victoria. Virginia. Sorry. Oops. Virginia. May she have long life. May she merit to see much nachas from her sons and her grandchildren. On a yard site, it is known that we say l'chaim. It's important that l'chaim is said. It's important, of course, that Kaddish is said. But l'chaim is said to elevate the neshama. L'chaim, we say the neshama should have an aliyah. So we discussed before the concept of the neshama having an aliyah. The concept of how many aliyahs are there possible? To what level can aliyahs go to? But the fact is though, since we do not know and we do not measure, we do not have a seismometer or a barometer or a thermometer or any kind of measuring spoon or cup or fork that can tell us what goes on in the levels of spirituality, in the levels of heaven. Therefore, we obviously cannot fathom how much higher the neshama can actually go. We've discussed before that on the outside, every year the neshama is judged. It comes to Bez Neshama, they judge again this neshama, and the judgment is what is happening, what did you do, what did you accomplish? Baruch Hashem when it comes for example in the case of Marach Menashe who is an upstanding fellow an honest fellow he worked Benemonis he worked straight tried to earn a living to support his wife and children We look and we see what did he leave over, what legacy did he leave over. The amount of respect that his children accord to Tzalangiz Nutiyar and his wife, the amount of respect that his children have for others, for fellow Jews, is exemplary. That tzedakah, the charity that they give, and I'm talking about the yeshiva, of course, that I know of, that they give, and they know they give other places as well. Yet Hashem, on the yard site, they'll be giving 
to help the yeshiva as well, like they do every year. These mitzvahs, these merits, are what bring about the elevation of the neshama from one level to another. This is what causes the neshama, the holy soul, to stand in front of Melech Malchi Amlachim HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to be able to say, I lived for a short while. You took me as a young man and left my orphan children very, very young. Before Bar Mitzvah. But this I will say. You know, they tell us, <coughs> excuse me, they tell the story of a Mitzvah boy. I told this story as well. Of a Mitzvah boy that was not exactly brought up in the Orthodox circles. They had a very, very wealthy grandfather. And when they made this big bar mitzvah, which was more of a bar than a mitzvah, he was thinking about the gifts. The money gifts, and these gifts, and those gifts. He was thinking about what he's going to earn from this bar mitzvah. And he almost had it calculated to the dime before the mitzvah came near starting, what this uncle will give, what that aunt will give, and what his grandfather will give, what his grandmother will give, etc. Ba'ayim, and his grandfather came to the mitzvah and presented him a beautiful velvet bag. And he said, Son, these are tefillin, phylacteries. It's an obligation of every Jewish boy and man from the age of 13 on to don these tefillin every day. Sorry, to don these tefillin daily. Every morning you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is you put on these tefillin. The first thing. Yes, you go to the mikveh first. But after that you must put on the tefillin. You can learn something, but that's only as a preparation for the davening of the tefillin. But to sit and do anything else is also, it's prohibitive according to Shachamarach. But he tells his grandson, my dear child, please, this is also a gift of mine to you. The child took the bag, embraced it, kissed it, because he imagined that's what he was supposed to do. Nobody taught him that, but I guess instinct. And with all the other gifts that he felt or deemed useless, he put them on the shelf the next day. But the one thing he did do that very night, till did not rest and did not go to sleep until he finished counting every last dollar, every precious check. And he sat there with his calculator, clopping in. He didn't have those days, he didn't have his iPad. He had to use a regular calculator that was going tick, 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 tick. 
And he did his calculation. And he, according to his calculation that he added up here, something was drastically wrong. There was a big number discrepancy between what he wanted, what he thought he would have, and what he actually had. And when he started to look through the checks frantically, he realized his grandfather's check was not there. Well, maybe grandfather forgot. Maybe he was heated up. It was his first grandson's bar mitzvah. Maybe he was involved. Maybe he was thinking something else. I'm sure it was an oversight and he will give me the check. A week, a month, a half a year went by. And granddad did not present the check. They were sitting by Thanksgiving dinner. Traditional family. And everybody was thanking God for something else. And the, grandfather, the grandchild turned to his grandfather and said, he figured this was a good opportunity. Everyone is in a forgiving and thanking mood. He says, Granddad, I must ask you, when I got by mitzvah, were you not proud of me? He says, sure, I was proud of you, my child. He says, why then did you not give me a gift? of course I gave you a gift no you just gave me that velvet bag but you never gave me a check and the grandfather smiled and said to him unfortunately now I know how often you use those tefillin because I put the check inside the bag had you used the tefillin you would have found the check Baruch Hashem, we can say about Marachai ben Menashe, his children do not have a problem finding their tefillin in the mornings. They know, they know the first thing in the morning, davening is involved. Davening needs to be done. And therefore, when he stands now before the Rebbeinu Shalelam, and he stands for judgment, he very proudly says, banim gedalti. See, Almighty, the children that I have raised. See, Almighty, what I have put in in my few short years and what my Rabbanit, my missus, my wife was able to carry on and put them through yeshiva. Therefore, he stands very, very proudly. And we can actually say, we know that Hashem will have an aliyah. Moving on, as we merited to dedicate this year tonight, to this holy soul proudly thank you
Parshas Bullock doesn't always have this kvias this way because Chukas and Bullock are very often together. And Gimel Tamos is usually also in a different timing. The fact that Gimel Tamos 20 years is is Ampasha's Balak we need to take a lesson we need to take we need to understand the message Pasha's Balak although it's named after Balak Harasha this evil wicked king that saw that the Jews were coming towards his neighborhood and wanted to destroy them but he knew that they were too strong because the people that were stronger than he that he he relied upon as buffers as nations that would fight the Jews and there would be nothing left to come fight him they failed they failed miserably and therefore he was extremely concerned he knew the power of the Jews though and therefore he decided he's going to use the prophet of the non-Jews of the Goyim to come and to curse the Jews, to use his curl, his voice, to curse the Jews and to fight fire with fire, power with power. He sends messages to the Torah, tells us to Bilam ben Be'er. Bilam was the prophet of the non-Jews. And he sends this messengers the Taylor tells us almost in a story fashion it's working how Bilam it's okay but it's coming through right how Bilam said he has to ask God before he does anything however unlike the prophets of the Eden Unlike a Meshach Rabbeinu, who spoke upon him, upon him, almost to to God, face to face. In order for the non-Jewish prophet to hear anything from God, it had to be at night. It had to be in a dream. Hence, Bilam said, let me hear what you want. And I will speak to God tonight and I'll let you know. And that's exactly what happens. And God says, no, you cannot go to curse this nation because they are a blessed nation. Bilam in turn didn't want to look bad or worse, Akhapanam, than he was already. And therefore Bilam, words, God's wording, 
through these messages of Balak to sound as if they were not high ranking enough for him to accompany him to go with him and to take him on this mission Huh? <laughs> ah. And therefore, wow, what a what a guest! And therefore, Bilam worded it in such a way, and the two messengers, and the two messengers. Return to Balak saying that we need to give him something more respectable. And again they send different messengers and again this thing goes on with God. And then Bilam has to face the humiliation of discussing talking to his donkey. Hmm. Taylor tells us about it's part of well, the, when the, the donkey's mouth was created by Ben Hashemash, on the sixth day of creation, mission of Kriyavas. So was the mouth of the earth that swallowed up Kirach. So this is something that was ultimately very, very severe and embarrassing, humiliating, and even more so when the messengers, the people who fought, who came and present, represented higher caliber messengers had to tell Bilam had to ask Bilam what is he doing talking to his donkey whether or not they heard the donkey's conversation or not doesn't irrelevant but again even in this motion Terah tells us that Bilam tried to idolize Avram Avinu he took and he saddled his donkey himself. He got up early morning and he went and saddled his donkey. He didn't necessarily get up early morning. He did not say Vayashkim. He didn't get up early morning. But when he got up finally from his hangover, his stupor, his drug induced or liquor, what alcohol induced, whatever it was, till he got up, till he started to start going. But he himself took his donkey, he himself set up the donkey. No, says the Taylor, Rashi tells us, Bilam, Hashem says to Bilam, Bilam, don't even dream about it. Don't even think that you accomplished something by saddling your own donkey, that this made you something special. Because already you were preceded by Avram Avinu, where Avram Avinu also saddled his own donkey to go on my mission. Then Bilam finally, after the conversation with his donkey, finds out that the Malach was in his way. And he says, what do you want? He says, you can't go and do this. I'm protecting you and I'm blocking you. You shouldn't go do this. So Bilam says to the Malach, straight thinker, 
Do you know who sent me here? God sent me on this mission. I have permission from God. Where do you angel have an audacity to try to stop me? And the angel again says to him, Excuse me, but Akedas Yitzchak was the same thing. By Akedas Yitzchak, God told Avram Avinu to sacrifice his son, and it was a Malach who stops him. An angel stops him. It was not God that stopped him. And so where did God, Avram take the liberty to go back on God's command because an angel told him so? So we see therefore, said the angel to Bilaam, I can do it, and I did it, and you better listen to me. There was a missionary once in a town, I told this story before, I have to keep mentioning that when I tell something before, because I've been confronted with archives, and people that listen to the archives, and they say to me, oh you told that joke already, and I told that story already, and I get an email for it or something, (coughs) or a text, and then they have to say, okay, so therefore I use my disclaimer, and I say, yes I know I told it before, I'm not getting seen out. Um, A missionary was in a town, and he was trying to convert the Jews. Wow. And the rabbi of the town used to fight the missionaries head, head on head, tooth and nail, he fought him. And one day the missionary confronted the rabbi. And he said, I don't understand. Why do you do this? Why do you fight me? Give me equal... I never saw a picture like this. Uh, up close. It's a very powerful picture. You do? I never saw it. Freyden took the picture. It says it here. Tough Shemem Tess. No, it's Kishu Anyway... He said, let me tell you, the Jewish nation, excuse me, he says, when you convince somebody in your missionary work to convert Rahman to become a Catholic, what actions do you do? What motions do you do? So you take him and we baptize How do you baptize? You spray water on him. Oh, you dip yourself in the river. The Mormons have to dip themselves in the river. You've got to get your, your conversions right. Yeah. Anyway, um, oh, it's never enough. They spray him with the holy waters. Uh, yeah, so he said, the Yidin are compared to Afar Haaretz, to the earth of the ground, ground of the... They're prepared, if the Jews are compared to the sand on the earth, and you're going to mix them with water, they're going to turn to mud. <laughs> I, don't want to, I can't stand by and let you make the Jews mud. <coughs> but mud becomes solid, so we're solid. Well, that's yeah, after, when it dries foundation. up. It's got to dry up first. Okay. He doesn't want them sprayed the Chathila. Bilam has a merit, and because Bullock brought him, Bullock has a parasha named after him. What is Bilaam's merit? 
Bilam's merit is that he was a big Mishachist. <laughs> okay, you want to say the first Mishachist was Bilam. Anyway, Bilam was very into Mashiach. And throughout Bilam's diatribe, he speaks about the blessings of the times of Mashiach. His entire slew of quote-unquote curses that he tried to infringe on the Jews. Can you say this as a curse? That he looked and he saw, what was he see about Eyalecha? What did he see about the Jewish tents that was Mateva, that was so beautiful? Rashi says that the faces, the doors did not face one another. Nobody was able to look into somebody else's tent. But one of the things that he says, Mimana Afar Yaakov, Rashi explains, He talks about Mimana Afar Yaakov, we can count the offer of Yaakov, the dust. Rashi explains why Afar Yaakov, because there's no Cheshbon, there's no calculation in mitzvahs that are done like offer, like dust. What is our lesson, our life lesson from such a Rashi? When it comes to doing mitzvahs, there are two ways of doing a mitzvah. Either you do a mitzvah with a cheshbin, a calculation, a reasoning, you think it through, you understand what's so beautiful about this mitzvah, you have a pleasure from doing the mitzvah. That's one way of doing a mitzvah. Another way of doing a mitzvah is without any questions. No calculation, no cheshbenis, no nothing. Kabbalah sale, I accept it as a, accept a yoke on my back. It's a mitzvah. It's a commandment that God and wants and commands. What's the difference really? If I do a mitzvah because I thought about it, or if I do a mitzvah because I didn't think about it. When a person is mekayim, a mitzvah, a person does a mitzvah because he thought it through and his brain really understood it, it makes this mitzvah connected with his emotion, with his mind. However, a person's emotions and mind are limited. They're limited. We all have our limitations, how much we'll understand, how much we can grasp spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And because of that, the reason of doing the mitzvah, by thinking it through and understanding it, you're putting a boundary, a limitation on your mitzvah. Mashenki, the person that does a mitzvah, because this is what God commanded me to do, just like the Almighty is without boundary, with no limits, same thing also, when it comes to his ratzen, comes to doing mitzvahs, the doing of this mitzvah is higher than all boundaries. And the pool of the mitzvah, the outcome, 
the result of the mitzvah also. And that's what Rashi says. Offer refers to the bitl ligamri, refers to total self nullification. When a person says, I am nothing, my soul is like nothing, like dirt, like dust. person does not allow his ego to get involved in his life. And of course, there's no taste offered as well for those who try to eat dust. So the person, therefore, does not get any pleasure, does not derive any pleasure, does not get any enjoyment. There's, no, not, there's nothing coming from doing this mitzvah. If the person, the guy, it's a one way street, I'm doing the mitzvah for God and only for God Himself. So when a person is making the mitzvah, like offer, without taste, without reason, without anything, without rhyme, then ain cheshben, there's no calculation for that pula because it's doing it in the way of God. And he's doing it in connection with God. And therefore he's higher than all boundaries. He you sent your text? My son had a grill today. And will be a healthy child. We see similarly to this when Bilam is saying in the Pasha, Dorach Kechav Miyakov, Vikarkar Kobaneshes, Vyusel Esachayev. The whole story here doesn't make sense. That the entire creation, the whole wonders of the world that we're talking about over here until the actually conquering of the entire world, the Karaka Kobrayshais. What does it add to? It adds to Yisrael Isachael. That's the ultimate summation of everything. The Erechayim HaKadosh, we always refer to the Erechayim as Erechayim HaKadosh. <coughs> he explains, because the Nitzutsu, the sparks of Kedusha, of spirituality, of holiness, when they are within the clipper, within the shells of the worldly effects, they're dirty. When they get purified, elevated, cleaned out, and they come out, they totally, totally adjusted and fit to the way they're supposed to be. On this spark, we say, Eisachayel. It's done, it's done, a tikkun has been done. It's been fixed. What is the actual lichluch, the actual dirt? When the vessel is whole and it holds entirely the entire light, the entire spark, then it can stay it stays with inside. 
When it gets an outside source though, something that's not a foreign source as we call it, it's malachlachasakli. The vessel becomes dirty. And this is also when it comes to the service of God. The nishama goes down from the highest spot to the lowest. To a physical goof with the Yetzirah. A physical body with an evil inclination. And therefore it's possible that anything the Nishama does, any movement of the body or anything else, person does something, so he should get a good title, he should have a good name. Doesn't do it with the proper intentions, doesn't learn Torah with the proper intention, doesn't devote himself to the mitzvahs with the proper intention, then this develops, this accepts, this gathers a certain lichluch, a certain dirt. What is the idea, what is the recommendation, how to destroy this? When a person develops and puts into his seichel, and he thinks through, and he thinks it through, that he has a capability, a capacity, to connect with Melech Malchah, and because he knows that by doing this mitzvah, he's connecting to God, he's totally mislahev, he's totally on fire from it, he's lit up from it, then by this, the person has the capacity, the capability, to accomplish what one needs to accomplish. And this is why it finishes off his soul. Asa Chayel. In order the Gashmias and the Chumnias of the Benayishas should not cause any kind of dirt, should not come before him any kind of Gashmias. He has to work with the word Yisrael. The word Yisrael is the letters Li Rosh. That he thinks with his Seichel and he understands how he can get and how he can derive from godliness. We don't always understand how we can accomplish something with godliness. There's a holy tzaddik. Known as the Holy Rujana. The Holy Rujana once came to a town. And the town was referred to I Srulev. Srulev. Jew. Jew town. But more than that, there was a river in the town, a stream, that was considered holy. Had holy waters, healing waters, special waters. And it was a renowned town. The reason he came to visit this town, and he started to ask, A, why is the town called its name? And B, what is the story of these waters? Now, 
tradition has it that if you need to know something from way back, you need to know something that happened somewhere or something, you're going to have to find the oldest guy in the town. If you don't find the oldest guy in the town, you're going to be in trouble. They're not going to have an answer for you. We told the story about Spain as well. It's the minig, the custom of saying maiden that abundant to the might of all. They have to go find in the Betavot, in the, in the citizen center, they have to find the people that can give them answers. The Rishonists started, the Hedek Rishonists started to ask about, and finally they told him there's a Goy in a shed, the outskirts of town, his name is Sasha. Sasha can tell you. So the Holy Rishonist goes to the shed, and he knocks, and he hears a feeble response, so he realized that must be come in. He walks inside, and there's lying in a big fur coat, a man that must be a hundred years old. And he sees the head of Krishna coming into the room, and he starts to shake, to tremble. And he tries to sit up, and he's pulling himself up. It's you again! It's you again! And the Rishonist says, calm down, stay seated, stay down, lie down, don't exert yourself. He says, what? What's your problem? And Sasha tells him the following story. He says, I was a young, I was a young boy, and I was finally given a job to be a shepherd. As a shepherd boy, I would take out the sheep. I would see to it that they eat, that they water, they drink. One day, I see and hear the sheep start getting very irritated, agitated, nervous. They're bleeding, they're calling, they're screaming. And I look and I see on the top of the hill the most ferocious and, and I, I never, a, a wolf. But this is a wolf like I never saw. I never saw something such a size. It was so big. And it was totally ignoring me. It had no interest in what I had to say. And I banged my stick and I banged the rock and I screamed and I yelled and I tried to scare it away. It was focused was focused on one of the sheep and all of a sudden it started to slowly inch its way and it shot out and it grabbed one of the sheep it practically tore the head off and he grabbed the corpse and took it into the woods to eat I was petrified, I ran home like a Michiganer I came home and I told my father, my uncles and I told them what happened, I was so scared well needless to say they all believed me obviously so the very next day, they came with me. They came, and they said, okay, they're going to watch out for it, because obviously I'm defenseless against this big wolf. But you know what? The wolf was smarter than us. They didn't come. Hmm. Not that day, second day, or third day. And finally they told us, they told me, listen, Tatla, we have what to do. We can't sit here all day watching your, your wolves. We believe you, you're missing a sheep 
But you don't have all day to watch him. And therefore, you're on your own. But we're worried about you. So here's a whistle. The wolf comes back, you start the whistle, we'll hear it, and we'll come running. So he felt a little more secure, he had the whistle. And lo and behold, the next day they didn't come, and the wolf did. But this time the wolf did something different. It didn't focus, it wasn't aiming on any of the sheep. It was aiming at me, said Sasha. It was focused on me, it wanted me, it wanted to eat me. I started to tremble. I, I, I was frozen. I, I was so scared, I didn't even know where the whistle was. And it started to inch closer. And finally, as it was about to pounce on me, I saw this Silu, this, this Jew. I'm sorry, we didn't introduce the Jew to the story yet. He found this Jew one day, immersing, he was sitting with the field with the sheep, and he heard from the other side of the hill, water splashing he didn't know what it was and he never knew there was water there even and he went to the other side of the hill and he saw this Jew immersing in the waters and he was dipping and dipping and dipping and he was just something that he never saw and then finally when the Jew came out later and he saw him he says he was so radiant he looked so light so beautiful, so different and then he wrapped himself in this shawl and he would sit with his box on his head and he would pray and just listening to this this rapture I just couldn't, I could never take my, my eyes off him so I knew he was something special and now suddenly when this wolf was about to attack me I saw him and I started to scream to him shall you help me, shall you help me and I just closed my eyes because I saw the wolf was about to eat me nothing happened I opened my eyes slowly and the wolf was standing there staring at me and Sulu came down the hill and said what are you scared of? the wolf? he's dead he says come I walked a few feet it was only a few feet away from me I walked a few feet with Sulu I touched it, it was like a frozen corpse it just fell down Obviously, this Zulu did something and killed this wolf without even touching him. So you told me, I want you to skin this wolf because you're going to need this coat when you get older because you're going to live a very long time. And therefore, this is the coat that I'm wearing from that wolf because so you told me to do so. The Hale Krishna heard the story and he understood that Suliyu was a Bisrael Bashemtiv. That's how he knew from the coat this was a sign apparently the Bashemtiv had given him about this coat. So we see therefore that there is a way overcome the Yitzhahara and to overcome our fears but as you said Bilam was a big Meshachist 
the Ramban explains when Bilam says Dorach Keichov Miyakov. He's going to step on the Keichov of Yaakov. The Ramban explains the word Keichov refers to Mashiach Tzidkenu, Meri Yimenu, Meri Yavai. And he says, just like Yaakov, which is called Bnei Yisrael, we find in the lowest of spots, because Yaakov is word Yud Ekev, which refers to the ankle, the heel, And we see that the heel was held on to when Asa was born. It says, V'yadei Echezes V'yekev His hand is holding on to the ankle. The heel, whatever. So that's the lowest part of the body. Vashenke Yisroel as we just said, is Lirosh. And also he got the name Yisroel because Terisei Malikim Vimanoshim He fought and conquered both people and angels. So therefore the Jews are referred to Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, when are they on the highest points. And therefore we have the stand now where it says, Dorach Keichav Miyakiv. We know that the words of the Bashem HaKadosh, that M'teich Kolachad Miyisrael, Yesh Nechelek Mashiach, Every Jew has a part of Mashiach that is connected to his neshama. And every Jew has an obligation to fix, to rectify, to purify and elevate that very part. And this is what he refers to when he says, A person should not say, that only the people of high levels of spirituality and the special people, the holy rabbis, the sages, the Kabbalists, etc., are the Bechina of Yisrael. That only they have in them their Chedek Mashiach. But those that are called Yaakov, the lowly ones of the Jewish nation, to say that, they don't have this, but rather Darach Keichov Yaakov. We find the Bechinas also in Yaakov. Also by each and every Jew that has the level of Yaakov has in him, him, within him the Chedek Mashiach. And therefore his obligation also is to work on it, to fix, to, je- to rectify, and to bring it closer to the redemption. And not only that, just the opposite. Come shave it, Yisrael. It'll come afterwards that Darach Kechav Yaakov that the beginning of the Gula will be from Darach Kechav, Dafka through the simple people that are called Yaakov, and the time from Akshadara, where the Gemara says in Yevamas, those keeping score at home, Lamites Amit Beis, Akshadara is a question. This generation of Nishenim, Kimalachimanu, where it says in Shabbos, if we keep score at home, Kufyid Beis Amit Beis. 112 side 2 that if a simple generation of Ikvas of the Mashiach our simple generation of the last footsteps of Mashiach after Darach Keichav Miyakiv then we can only then can we accomplish the Kam Shevet Misro that the 
Yisrael will be able to rise when he has to. Sometimes we don't understand who is the Yaakov, who is the Yisrael. And this is what we turn to sometimes, we go back now and reflect on Gimel Thomas a little bit. There was a relative of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitch Rebbe, who knew he was related to the Rebbe was not very fond of him. He wasn't that fond of him as a relative, he wasn't fond of him as a Rebbe. He didn't believe in his whole hocus-pocus, this business, all the business. He was a wealthy fellow, but then one day, he had a beautiful pharmacy and everything, and one day the pharmacy fell apart. He just lost everything. To add insult to injury, his daughter was married and had a few children. And one day her husband just picked up and walked out. Disappeared. So she was now left in Naguna. She could not marry. And his wife would badger him, why don't you go to your cousin, to your relative, to the Tzemotzedek, and ask for something, a bracha or something. This went back and forth for months on end and he refused and he refused and he refused and finally the situation was so dire watching his grandchildren without a father and his mother not a- the, do- the mother not able to remarry he acquiesced to go to the Tzemach Tzedek. And he came to the Tzemach Tzedek and he said, I'd like an audience with the Tzemach Tzedek, the Rebbe. And they said to him, okay, you have a few weeks find yourself a lodging in a few weeks he says what a few weeks he starts to cry what's become of me what's going to happen here with me and they asked him what's your name and he said his name they realized oops it's a relation it's a family member they got him in that night and when he came into the Zimbabwe said and said smiled and says I'm so happy to see you here I'm sure my wife is going to be happy to see you here join us for dinner tonight and he came to the Tzemach Tzedek and they sat and he ate with the Tzemach Tzedek. The wife was very happy. They charged with his, with his relative, his distant relative. They obviously knew who he was. And nothing, they fabrenged. It was a very, very pleasant evening. But the player, when he went home, he realized <laughs> he didn't get a blessing. Home, he went back to his lodging. He didn't get any blessings here. He had a great time. It was a beautiful evening. And the Rebbe was so beautiful, so spiritual, and so holy. But what, what, what's he believe in? What do I get? So the next day he went again to the Gabba and he said, I need another audience because I didn't get any yesterday. Mm-hmm. So when he went in yesterday, he said, yeah, but I, we ended up eating dinner and we didn't really have... So he let him in again. Now that I was very serious. And he told the Rebbe his whole plight. He cried his heart out. And after crying his heart out, the Rebbe told him, listen, I once read in a newspaper... Mm-hmm that there's a German pharmacist opening a pharmacy in Kiev and he's looking for somebody who knows the business. Go to Kiev, here's money, he gave him money for travel to Kiev. Go to Kiev and uh, he'll help you out. This was so random and shocking, giving me money for the train. And the story, Kiev, the German, and the newspaper that he, he once saw, a newspaper, who knows when he saw that paper, who knows if this is even existing still, if this German is still alive, who knows when he saw the newspaper. 
But he walked out and he came home. And he realized, never mentioned my daughter. Kid said, he comes home and tells his wife the story. And the wife goes crazy on him. He didn't mention the daughter. Back and forth. <coughs> At least for Panasa, go do what he told you. So this hapless man picks himself up, uses the money that he was given for the train. He goes, travels to Kiev. And he comes to Kiev, and he, lo and behold, had no problem finding the German. And lo and behold, the guy needed somebody in his pharmacy. He said, I put an, <laughs> I put an ad in the paper this morning. The first time I started advertising it. <laughs> they never told him already. I saw the ad in the paper. And garnished. He took him in, and things were going beautifully. He knew the business. He was putting money. The business was flourishing and booming. Came Pesach time, a few weeks before Pesach, and he said to the guy, listen, it's Pesach coming, I want to go home for Pesach. He says, no problem. And he gave him a bonus, and he gave money. He sent him home. But two days later, he gets a message from the boss, from the German. Um, I need you. Please come back quickly. So he goes running back. And he says... Uh, listen, I'm turning 50 years old in a few weeks I need somebody to put together the party I need somebody to organize this I need somebody to do, do everything and you're the most capable one I know I'll pay you a lot of money extra for this anyway, the man has no choice it's his bread and butter and he stays on and he prepares and he does a beautiful, wonderful job and everybody, the guests are coming and he's greeting the guests Screen the guests, and lo and behold, the priest comes in, and, and he's shocked. It's his son-in-law. It's his son-in-law. That chutzpinyak ran off and became a, a priest. He runs and he says to the boss, "I got to talk to you quickly." He comes, takes him inside, and he shows him from the, the side, through the peaks, the door, and he shows him the priest, and he tells him his whole story about the Aguna, there's everything, the son that ran away, and it's now the priest, it's who he is. guy says, oh, yeah, all right. They call him into the room, the priest, and the guy says to him, okay, Kaim, what have you done to my daughter, to you, my grandchildren? You must give a get. And the priest starts denying, and saying, I don't know who Kaim is, I don't know what you want from her, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, the German has no scruples and he doesn't have time for these stories. He takes out a gun and he puts it to his head and he says, now tell me the truth, mister. So he says, this is okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm talking to the son-in-law. And I ran away and I converted it. I apologize. They brought it up. They brought to Adam. They brought it to Sefer. And the get was done. And she was taken, he was given the get to take home with him. And he understood now why the Tzavach Tzedek sent him to Kiev because not only for the Panasa wise but that's where he found his son-in-law as well so we see therefore that the Reish the head of the nation yes has that spark as much as everybody else has the Chedek Mashiach he works on it that much harder than we do it's at a much higher level of course but each and every one of us have that Chedek Mashiach and it took 
a bilam to remind it to us, whether it be through Derech Kechel the Yaakov, showing the difference between Yaakov and Yisrael, or Mimona of Yaakov, telling us how we're compared to Afar, how we have to do our mitzvahs, how we have to do the elevations of the Nitzutzim of the sparks, Nitzutzim of Kedusha, and therefore we should merit that this very Shabbos, when we read about Bolok, and we read this story, we should understand how, what, when and where we have to do, but we should see it, and we should hear the explanation from Melech HaMashiach in Yerushalayim, Shabbat Shalom, you all.